right. Oh, beautiful morning. Cool this morning. We got a little rain shower yesterday. Settled the dust. Water plants. I believe. 
ill side effects stem from the fact that not that long ago, it wasn't deemed uh, out of the ordinary or like, I bet there wasn't a phrase as he's one of those guys that like to spend a lot of time in nature. Like, 100 years ago, I bet you would have never heard that. And you know why? Because we are nature. We are a part of nature. So therefore, spending time in nature would most likely benefit you, right? I don't know. There's that logic. mind 
I think with the large majority of people's minds, I, like, we bump kids full of drugs and stuff now to make them fit into this system. Maybe the system's the problem, guys. I don't think it's your kids. Because I had this conversation with my wife last night. And, um, you know, it got real emotional. I'll put it out there. I'm, uh, I'm 72 hours sober right now. I mean, I'm still drinking a little bit of natural caffeine. So, not technically completely sober. Um, but, from my research, from my studies, what I can understand about the human mind, our brain structure, the way we're wired, the way we take in the world, it's completely natural for us to consume substances to change our physiological states, our consciousness. I mean, we've been doing that since man stood up on his hind legs, I don't know, maybe ate his first mushrooms. But um, the reason I say that I'm 72 hours sober right now is because basically since I was, I don't know, man, 15, 14, I started, like I've always known that I didn't fit into that system. I was always doing things to try to appease other people although I was much more I guess not controlled by it like I, I was still always the kid I think people that may remember me could attest to it I was still considered the weird kid the one that kind of got along with everybody um, and I don't know I always wanted to stand out I wanted people to know that I didn't want to be like everyone else because you're not supposed to be you're supposed to be your own person and I think that's the most screwed up part of that system and it leads to a large majority of the average population having the same issues that I have one form or another whether it's drugs whether it's eating bad whether it's you know depression anxiety that's not controlled by some kind of drug, whether it is controlled by a drug that you get from your doctor that's so-called, you know, good for you, it's helping you. I think it all stems from that. And the simple fact that we are a part of nature and for the first formidable years of our life, we are crushed and told that we're not supposed to, <laughs> supposed to act like the kids that we are. You know, we're not supposed to be the humans that we're evolving to be. And now they, they just, I mean, I'm looking at school kids right now, going into school this morning, and they all have masks on. And you get, like, you ask my youngest daughter, she's six. In the whole beginning, she wanted to wear a mask, but she wanted to help other people. But she knows now that it's okay 
to not wear one. She doesn't really get the whole concept. But she understands that when daddy says you don't have to wear a mask, that's not being hurtful to other people. And I probably will get emotional in this because that's what drugs do for you, especially for men. You shut your emotions off because you're told you're not supposed to have them. You're told that you're not supposed to have deep conversations, basically. Why would they tell you not to have deep conversations? Why would you not want to why wouldn't you want your kids to be your kids? When did that stop being okay? And it leads to so much bad stuff. Right? You know it does. You see it all around you. Especially if you live in the part of the country I live in. The opioid, that's the reason I brought up the opioid epidemic. Those same people that created those vaccines created this in this country, especially in the South. It started in New Orleans, I'm pretty sure. If you watch the documentary on Netflix, they traced it back to one of the first doctors that got involved with these companies was out of New Orleans. So people from all over South Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas. I mean, they were driving from Georgia, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. You have to go watch that one for yourself. It's out there on Netflix. Um, they were standing in line for days waiting to get their fix. Um, whenever you know, I got out of high school Well, I knew something was off, I guess. I remember second grade. In second grade, Miss Welch's class, South Jones Elementary. I don't remember anybody that was in the play. That was second grade. That was, that was sixth grade. That was way off. My bad, sixth grade. We done our first mock little election thing. I think it was Clinton and Bush. If I'm wrong, that may have been fifth grade, guys. I don't really remember anybody that's in the class, but um, I just remember being like, what, what is this? You know, like, I had no sense of connection to what they were trying to get me to see was I was supposed to be wanting to be a part of. Like, it, a kid shouldn't want to know about that, you know? Maybe a homeschool kid probably will know that most likely they want as little to do with that system as possible. Um, but we had that little mock election. And then whenever I got my first actual paycheck from a you know, tax standpoint, corner market when I was 15. And it was supposed to be, I think, like 400 and something dollars, and it was only 
300 and I was like, wait a minute, what is going on there? You know? And then I, I had to learn for myself because they never really taught a whole lot about the reasons why they take your money in school. It's not something they teach about really. Um, I love my parents 100%. I love all of 
gonna get you in trouble still here. So continue to drink a lot more alcohol. <laughs> um, you know, but we finally finally start catching some traction, you know, once I get out of high school, I go to the junior college and like I said, it taught me that I wasn't supposed to be there. Like, I had some good teachers in high school. I said that 99% of my experiences come from outside the classroom. That's true. I do have a few percent that's inside the classroom. I remember Ms. Watson's class, Advanced English, I think it was. I wasn't good enough to me, but I did get that. But, uh, I remember her class always being a good but even though that I've always sucked at you know to articulate my thoughts because I didn't feel, feel like I had the same thoughts as everybody else around me. Maybe I did, but uh, I remember her telling us to in seventh grade write down some goals long short term and some long term term goals well I did learn something from that experience that's very important thing that you should always do is write down your goals I thank her for that uh, she she helped me see a lot of good things about learning Nobody had ever truly 
sat down and had a deep, drawn-out conversation of what I wanted to do, you know? It was basically understood that no matter what, I was supposed to get an education like it. No matter what, get your education. And I believe that's true, but times have changed, right? Um, so I seek counsel from people around me like I try to do anytime that I'm having a difficult time. I try to talk to people around me, get perspective. And uh, I was working at the golf course at the time. We do a lot of work on the golf carts and whatnot. And upgrades, souping them up, putting lift kits on them and everything. And boss man time, one of the one of the best men I've ever worked for. Uh, he said, "Well, Kyle, you're real good with your hands. You know, you're real good at turning wrenches. You keep up with your procedures. You know, you don't get in a hurry." He said, "Have you ever thought about going to a trade school?" Oh, nobody's ever told me about a trade school. Everybody in my family's going to, you know, four-year colleges where you get a piece of paper and, I guess, learn how to think a little harder or something. Like, don't get me wrong. I believe that that system was created for good things and it is there for good things. Uh, I believe doctors that are surgeons that do intense procedures they need to have some training for years on end before they start cutting on people i believe that's a good thing but that's not the majority of people is it like not the, i don't think the majority of people are out there seeking to do that so i didn't know that a trade school existed so I looked into it. And about 15 months later, I graduated salutatory. Right underneath one of my best friends. He had to beat me. But that was a great 13 months. And that right there, that time in my life showed me that whenever I became interested in something, I could do anything that I wanted to do. Like, whenever I became interested in what I was being taught, I didn't even have to try to learn it. Like, for the first time, people in the classroom would come to me and ask me to try to help them understand what they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't understand. Um... And that was a powerful, powerful time in my life. A lot of spiritual, big spiritual time in my life. A lot of praying, a lot of reading of the Bible, a lot of the, trying to find my way, who I was as a man. So I still didn't know. But 
you know, I did that, come home, I got a good job, I was making good money, you know, 21, 22 years old, I was loving what I was doing, working for a good company, but I was still suppressing those emotions, like, I would have moments of clarity, well, I'll take that back, no, because I come home, I was doing good, I started doing CrossFit. I was still suppressing emotions. I'd basically gotten sober while I was doing CrossFit. That was one of the healthiest times of my life. I loved CrossFit. I don't know, maybe because I always wanted to be a part of the military, but I didn't agree with what the military was doing, so I couldn't sign up for that. And CrossFit was kind of like that for me, I guess. I but I really enjoyed CrossFit and got in the best shape of my life. Probably the clearest head I ever became. I met my wife. Um, and I was still drinking alcohol. We'd get pretty toasty on the weekends, but I wouldn't drink a whole lot during the week. But I probably was still having a drink a night, if not a couple beers a night. And that's not good. Like, that's not moderation. Moderation is like once a week. Or once a month not once a day that's not moderation um and you know then as some of you may know my brother had his ha accident well why had his accident everything was kind of Like I was, I was getting on track at that time, and that just rocked my world. And it still messes with me. It it took me from a, a high point in my life where I was starting to figure out that I didn't need all these things to make me feel good. And it put me right back into that place where I constantly needed something else to make me feel good. And then I injured myself on the job. And guess what they gave me? You guessed it, opioids. Um, that soon led to what so many people fall into. Uh, never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. You can't get enough. It doesn't matter how much you get. It's never enough. This is designed that way, by the way. Yeah, they know that it works on your mind like that. But they, they don't. They understand how it, how it works. There's books written on it. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
myself like forgetting to breathe at night. Because you're, I think, 
podcast today, Jack Spear Grimmett, the Survival Podcast. I know that sounds like a crazy podcast name, but it's completely not what it sounds like. It's basically a lifestyle podcast that teaches you to go for whatever you want in your life. Because you only got one of them. Um, but they would start... They would always pound on that, you know, put the right data in, start thinking the right way, things tend to start happening, you know, in the direction that you want, and just like what Ms. Wansley had us do in seventh grade, writing those long-term goals out, I basically have completed all those, and we're coming up on that mark that I kind of stopped making goals at, I believe, in seventh grade, about 35. I hadn't made it there yet, and I still hadn't built my house, so I still got a couple of years to finish that last one. But everything else is it's, it's marked off the list from those goals in seventh grade. But that's why putting the good data in is so important because there's majority of the data that's out there right now that we consume off of these things that we put in is negative. It just is. And uh, it's separating us from who we really are on the inside and from what we do. The potential humanity that we can become. And why why is racism one of the biggest discussions in 
almost been two years now. I told my doctor to write me one more script, let me phase myself out. And uh, through the use of cannabis, you know, CBD, which is legal here uh, in Graham, I got off of that pretty quick, started feeling better. I think I became a better father, husband, and worker, everything in general. But then that, that led to another addiction with the Kratom because it kind of works the same way as an opioid, and especially if you take it in high doses. And like I didn't realize when I went through my withdrawals from opioids, I didn't realize I didn't get the full healing from being completely clean. Because I just patched the wound. I didn't realize that a lot of the pain that I was feeling was coming from that old brain telling my body to make a new brain thing, make, do whatever's. So I just, I'd be patching the wound with something else. You know, I never get that full healing experience from allowing my to recalculate to that, you know, that new baseline. And it took a heavy toll on me and my family. I, once again, just nature of who I am, take things to an extreme, and it got to the point where probably was worse off taking the cradle than I was taking the opiate. I don't know, probably, maybe not, but it was along the same lines. So, I've quit it for and got back on it, and I told myself when we found out we was having this, this little boy that, you know, by the time he gets here, it's my goal for myself to be sober to have a clear head to embrace this this new life in this crazy time I mean with everything that's going on I should be in a state of awareness higher than any other and I have been but there was still that foggy cap on top and I can tell you being 72 hours has been rough the past couple of days. Uh, but it feels good. It really does feel good. Your body adjusts. The pain is still there. The injury is still there. The injury is real to my body. But you know what's awesome about that new cortex? About that new brain? It allows you to cope with it. It allows you to maybe think of alternative ways to make that pain not as intense. You know, we're not, I don't know why, it's coming back stronger, but you know, meditation is a powerful, powerful form of medicine, in my opinion, that nobody talks about. And in my honest opinion, that's what praying's about another form of meditation talking to your inner self um, while you're talking with God or 
going to. But that's you and that's you having that inner dialogue. And, and then meditation allows you to dissolve all of those issues and kind of push the refresh button. Now I say the pain's still there, it is, but it Get 
catch up with y'all next time. It's time for me to start turning wrenches this morning.